It is so good to be back here at Grumlaw. It's been just over nine months uh, since my family and I and a team from here uh, were sent out to start a brand new church, Union Flint. You know, God has been doing some really, really cool things uh, in these last nine months. We, we were able to sponsor the open house at the local elementary school, uh, had an opportunity to share about Jesus with a ton of people from the community and from the school. Uh, and then the Lord brought us Tanner Jones and his family to our church. Tanner recently joined the elder board and then was brought on as our family ministries pastor. Just such a huge blessing to have him on the team. And then Micah Kingen, someone who was sent out from Grumlaw, uh, came on as our student ministries director. He has, he's actually since gotten himself hired as the hall monitor at the middle school. And, and he, just in a few weeks, he already knows over 20% of the students at the school by name. Just absolutely killing it. Uh, and the families of our church, they, they have adopted every single staff member from Randall's Elementary School uh, and have committed to writing encouraging notes, buying them gift cards, bringing them lunch, praying for them, and trying to share the hope and the love of Jesus with the staff. It is just absolutely incredible. Grumla, I, I could go on and on bragging about God and all the stuff that he's doing through Union Flint, but I don't share that to highlight me or even the church, but, but rather uh, to celebrate your legacy. To, to honor the commitment of your leadership uh, and, and their commitment to being exceedingly generous. Generosity is contagious. And because of your generosity, it has inspired the generosity of our church and is now impacting families, hundreds of families all across Flint and Flint Township. And I know Shay says this a lot, and it's, it's kind of a theme for this series, The Blessed Life, but it's so, so true. We never look more like Jesus than when we're being generous. Uh, as we continue in this series, I just want to remind all of you that would consider yourself to be a Jesus follower that what we're talking about in regards to money, like in regards to, to your money, like for six weeks we're talking about your money, like bold move, Shay, bold move. But, but if, if you consider yourself a Jesus follower, then what we're talking about is, is in a lot of ways non-negotiable because we're bringing out principles from the Bible in regards to money so that we can make sure that we're all on the same page. Now, now, if you're not a Jesus follower, maybe you're here because you're just curious about spiritual things, or maybe, maybe someone promised you a free Starbucks or a free lunch after service. Uh, either way, I'm just super, super glad that you're here. But if you're not a Jesus follower, then you have my permission to just sit back and listen, and even just like cherry pick maybe some of the things that you feel like, oh, I, I, could, I could maybe do that. So as I mentioned, we're, we're talking about principles from the Bible and, and specifically about money. And, and in this six-week series, this might be one of the most important messages in the series. And this is one of the most important principles that is found in the entire Bible. It's the, the, the principle of firsts. This idea that, that if God is first, then everything else will come into order. I mean, there, think about it. Like, there's so much in this world that is pushing us and our families towards chaos and struggle and, and challenges. I mean, would you rather go through that struggle with everything in order or in total chaos? If, if God is first, then there will be order in your life. It's a, it's a principle that runs all through scripture. Let, let's, let's just take a minute and let's pray uh, as, as we continue in this series. God, I, I just pray that even right now that you would be stirring in my heart this principle of first and, and that everyone that's, that's listening this morning, uh, God, that, that you would use uh, these principles from your word 
to challenge us, to change us, to help us become more and more like you. God, as we're talking about money in these six weeks, it can certainly be a really uh, sensitive topic. And so God, I just pray that right now you would be even breaking down those, those barriers and those hesitations in our own hearts uh, that we might hear from you, knowing that you want what's best for us, that you're not trying to like take our money or anything like that. You, you just want what's best for us. Uh, so God, we thank you and pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, so we're gonna be we're gonna be going into the book of Exodus. Uh, if you have a physical copy uh, of the Bible, I'd encourage you to maybe if you got to run to the other room and grab it, go ahead and do that. Or if you have it with you, open up to Exodus chapter thirteen. Or, or if you have your phone, you can open up the Bible app and and go right there. We're gonna be uh, looking at chapter thirteen. I'm gonna start with verses one through two. Uh, I'm reading from the the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, so ver- verse one, chapter thirteen, it says the Lord spoke to Moses. Consecrate every firstborn male to me, the firstborn from among every womb among the Israelites, both man and domestic animals, it is mine. Now, now I, I don't know Hebrew, which is the original language that the Old Testament was written in. I, I, I never studied that. Um, but what I have done is I, I've read from some experts and, and heard different people who know the Hebrew really, really well. And that phrase, that last phrase in that verse, it is, it is mine. It, in, in the original Hebrew language, it's the most emphatic way uh, that, that God could have said this, like that he is the owner. It's already his. He's saying that, that the firstborn, it belongs to him. It's his property. All the firstborn from both men and animal belong to God. They're his. And then if we, we skip forward just a few verses uh, to verse 12, uh, in a similar way, he says, you are to present to the Lord every firstborn male of the womb, all firstborn offspring of the livestock you own, uh, that are males will be the Lord's. I mean, the, the language here is so, so similar in, in the original Hebrew. Like, it is the Lord's. It belongs to him. It's already his. When you continue in verse 13, it says, you must redeem every firstborn of a donkey with a flock animal. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. However, you must redeem every firstborn from among your sons. So, a couple of things to note just from the, these, these last couple of verses. This idea of to be redeemed, the idea of being redeemed, it's, it's to trade one for another, right? Like when we go, when we go to the store, we, we trade our money for an item. It's redeemed, we're redeeming it. So, so to be redeemed is to trade one for another. And then it says uh, of a donkey, which, which is actually like super, super important. Uh, and we're, we're gonna kind of come back to the, the donkey in a minute, but it says that a donkey should be redeemed with a flock animal. Now, the Israelites in this day, the, the flocks that they would be raising were sheep. And so you would have to redeem a donkey with a lamb. We're gonna come back to that in a minute. Um, it says that if it's not gonna be redeemed though, you're, you're to, to break its neck. So if it's not redeemed, you're going to break its neck, which means if you don't, if you don't redeem it, you're going to, you're going to lose it. Uh, and, and since we're talking about money, right, since, since money is the currency of our day, like we don't tend to raise sheep or trade sheep for clothes or collect like pounds and pounds and pounds of wool and like give it to the mortgage company to pay for our house. Like we don't do that kind of stuff. So, so I'm sure you can see where this is going. And this is super, super important that, that as this applies to our finances, if you don't bring it to God, you're gonna lose it anyways. It's going out of your account. This is the principle of first, right? And there, there's three things, three things this morning that we're gonna talk about in relation to the principle of first. 
The first one is this, that the, the firstborn, it must be sacrificed or redeemed. As I've mentioned before, like when it says it must be, it's, it, it's, it's incredibly emphatic. It, it's, a, it's this principle that runs throughout the entire Bible, this principle of first, that it must be done. And so as you're, if you're an Israelite farmer in this day and it says that it must be sacrificed or redeemed, like how do you know what you're, what you're supposed to do? And so that's where like this donkey and the lamb uh, come back in. There, there's two animals that, that are talked about in this passage. And these two animals, they represent entire categories of animals uh, that, that the Israelites would have raised. It says, it says the donkey and the lamb. Uh, and these two categories represent what is clean and unclean. And so the donkey, the donkey represents the entire group of animals that would be considered unclean. And so if you, if you had the firstborn of an unclean animal, a donkey or anything like that, then that would have to be redeemed with that of a clean, with the sacrifice of a clean animal. And then the, the flock animal or the lamb, the lamb represented the clean and the clean must be sacrificed. And when we're talking about sacrificing animals, it's exactly what you're thinking, what, what's running through your mind. I mean, maybe if you're a vegan, maybe you're not thinking about that. You're trying to like push that out of your mind. But, but it is in fact exactly what we're talking about. That, that an animal, a, a clean animal that was to be sacrificed was to be brought to the church and the priest, the pastor would slit its throat and it would be sacrificed. And I'm very glad as a pastor, we don't have to do that anymore, but that's what we're talking about. Okay, so since we don't do that anymore, like how does this relate to us today? And I think specifically for you and I, would we be considered, would you be considered a clean or unclean? I mean, think about that in terms of like spiritually, morally, like are you inclined to be more good or bad? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we would say, well, okay, if it's between clean or unclean, like we're unclean. We were all born in sin. And I don't know, maybe some of you might be offended at that maybe thinking like, oh, oh, I'm basically a good person. Maybe for some of you, you, you've built the entire construct of your life around this idea that if I'm basically a good person, uh, that, then, then that's good. Then, then I'll, I'll go to heaven when I die. If I'm basically a good person, then somehow God owes me good things in this life. And you know, maybe as you're thinking about like, okay, well, I, I am a good person in comparison to her. Yeah, her, like I'm good, I'm good. Or him, yeah, totally good. Or Hitler, yeah, I mean, we're, we better be considered good people if we're comparing ourselves to Hitler, but what about when we compare ourselves to God? What about when you compare yourselves to the standard that God puts forward? And I think that if we, if we consider, if we compare ourselves to God and his standard, then it's pretty easy for us to realize that, that none of us are good at all. That actually, according to God's perfect standard, we're all pretty terrible. In fact, we're all born with a tendency towards sin. Okay, so second question. Was Jesus, is Jesus, of those two categories, is he clean or unclean? Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, God taking on flesh, born of a virgin, was he clean or unclean? For his entire life, he was clean. And so if we look at this principle, uh, the, the clean had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. Like mind, I mean, did you catch that? Like everything in all of human history has been pointing to this. The entire Old Testament has been dropping hints about, about this happening. And then the New Testament celebrates this and gives instructions about what we're supposed to do about this now. 
Like that's how important this principle of first really is. Jesus is God's tithe. That's what we're talking about, the tithe. Like Jesus is God's tithe. And so, and so because, because everything is already God's, remember he said, it is mine, it's already his. And in addition to that, because we have been redeemed, like God sent his tithe, he sent his son, Jesus, to redeem you and me. And as a result, we, we're, we're just naturally inclined, we should be naturally inclined to want to offer our tithe in return. So, so don't pay your bills and then give the tithe, right? Because that doesn't take any faith. It takes faith to give your tithe first. Like God said, when, when your sheep has a lamb, give the first one because you don't know if that sheep is gonna have any other lambs. And so it takes faith, it takes faith to give the first one. He, he didn't say wait until, you know, your sheep has, has 10 lambs and then give one, right? Give God like the runts, give, give God the one that keeps escaping into the garden and, and like eating all your potatoes and your beets. Like he didn't say that. He, he didn't say, you know, give, give God the, the one that you were already planning on shooting anyways, because it was just really, really annoying. Like that doesn't take any faith. No, we, we got to give God the first before we have any others. And the reality is, is that it's not the tithe that enacts the blessing. It's the faith that enacts the blessing. It's giving God that first 10%. Jesus is God's tithe. Like he gave Jesus first. And, and God wasn't looking to see if like we were gonna like straighten up and get our act together. No, while we were still sinners, while we were still mocking him, while we were still spitting on him, while we were still nailing him to a tree, God gave his tithe. He gave his one and only son. Maybe for you, this is the first time that you've really heard this, that you've heard what God's done for you. Maybe you've been living in complete rejection of God and, and maybe now all of this is starting to make sense. Like God is offering to redeem you. All that it takes is faith. Simply trusting that our father in heaven redeemed you, paid your penalty for your sin by sending Jesus to take your place, to pay, to pay for your sins, to pay the penalty for what you've done. Faith, trust, belief that what Jesus did, he did for you. And that, and that when you do that, when, when you trust him, you receive eternal, abundant life. Talk about the blessed life, right? All right, so back to Exodus, back to Exodus 13 and the story uh, of the Israelites as they're, as they're first entering the, the promised land. Like God told them, bring all of the silver and gold from, from Jericho into the house of God. So, so the Israelites are, are entering into this promised land and, and God tells them, bring all of the silver and gold from, this, from the city Jericho into the house of God. And, and it's important to note that he says into the house of God, like the tithe is always brought to the church. So, so why didn't he say like 10% of Jericho, right? So this, this city that they're gonna go in and they're gonna conquer and they're gonna take over, like why didn't he just say 
10% of all the silver and gold. And that, that's pretty simple because when, when they entered in the land, there were tons and tons of cities that they were gonna take over, that they were gonna conquer. And Jericho was simply the first. It was the first of many. And so we, they, they were to bring, bring the first into the house of God and the rest, the rest of the cities, the rest of the silver and gold, the rest of it will be redeemed. The rest of it will be out from under the cursed. They will be blessed. So the first portion is the redemptive portion. Like when you give the first, the rest, the rest is redeemed. Don't give give your first portion to the mortgage company. Like how many of you have a mortgage company that has ever blessed your finances? Like no one, right? I mean, the mortgage company just takes your payment and then takes your payment and then takes your payment. And then, and then if you happen to get a couple days like late on your payment, they send you a notice and they're like, hey, you gotta make your payment. And then they just keep taking and taking and taking and taking. Your, your mortgage company, they, they don't have the power to bless your finances, but God does. The first portion, the first 10%, it goes to God. So these three principles that, that we're learning this morning. The, the firstborn, it must be sacrificed or redeemed. And the second is that the, the first fruits must be offered. It must be. Like it's required. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this. says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Like all of your increase, your entire harvest. Okay, so for us, since our currency isn't sheep or potatoes, it's, it's money. Like any time that we get money, we need to honor the Lord with it. It must be offered. Now, to be fair, this passage that I just read, it's, it's from the book of Proverbs, right about in the middle of the Bible. Uh, and it's a type of writing called wisdom literature. So it's not law, it's just wise words. It's, it's words to live by. It's just the way that the world works. This principle of first runs throughout the entire Bible. All right, so back to the story of Israel. They, they've left Egypt because God rescued them and they're getting ready to enter into the the land that God has promised them, that God is giving to them. Like all that they have to do is to enter in this land and take possession of it. Like God is literally gonna fight their battles for them. And so a couple of things that, that this nation needed to remember as they walk in and take possession of this land was that the land is God's and he's giving it to them. It's a blessing for them. They didn't earn it. They can't pay for it. It's a gift, it's a blessing. So when I mean, you think about it, like when they, when they approach that first city that God is gonna hand over to him, he's gonna give it to them. And God tells the Israelites, give him all of the gold and all of the silver from Jericho, from this, from this city that they're gonna take over. And they can have the rest of the silver and gold from every other city that they take over, that they conquer in the entire land. Just give God the first. Like it's not like the Israelites had anything else in their bank account. They just came from slavery. They had nothing. And, and God was promising them this huge blessing, like the rest of the silver and gold from the entire land. So I think you can see how this is really a matter of the heart, right? I mean, do you trust God? Do you believe that he will come through? Do you believe that, that there are more cities, that there is more silver and gold in the land? Because if you believe, if you're an Israelite in that moment, like, and you believe that that was true, then, then giving God all the silver and gold from Jericho, that's easy. Done, easy, I'm just gonna give it. 
Because if you believe that the blessing to come is greater than the first 10%, then it's a no brainer. But this, this one dude, this guy named Achan, he stole some of the silver and gold and he kept it for himself. Clearly he didn't trust God. And as God, as God sees what's going on, he sees that Achan is stealing from him. And stealing from God put a curse on the rest of the nation, not just Achan, not just his family. It put a curse on the rest of the nation. It put a curse on everything. So a couple of things for us. Like one, we can't give what doesn't belong to us. Like everything is already God's. So you can either choose to bring the tithe or you can steal it and keep it in your bank account. It's consecrated. It's consecrated when it's brought to the house of God and it brings a blessing on everything. Or it's cursed when you leave it in your bank account. Like that, that's, that's, that's wild. But like, why would you want something cursed in your bank account? I don't know about you, but like my bank account's got enough trouble all on its own. Like I don't need to have like, be stealing from God and have a curse. Like why wouldn't you want your bank account to be blessed? It takes faith. It takes faith to believe that 90% redeemed and blessed will go farther than 100% cursed. Isn't that awesome? So we give the first. Like, okay, so maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking like, why is this so important to God? Like, why can't, why can't we just give him like the seconds or the thirds? It, it's, not, it's not just that God won't accept your seconds or thirds, it's that he can't. I mean, have you ever thought about the fact that there's actually things that God can't do? That like God cannot, he can't act outside of his character. And, and there's a couple of things like he can't change, which the theological term for that is immutability. Like God doesn't change. I mean, think about this, like the, he, he's already perfect. And so there's absolutely nothing that he can do to make himself any better. So there's no need for him to change. He can't change. The second thing that he can't do is God can't think in the same way that we think. This is called omniscience. Omniscience, that, that God already has all knowledge. Like when we think, we think to figure things out. But I mean, God has never once in, in his entire existence, which is forever, he's never once said, oh, you know what I was thinking about today? Like he's never said that. There's nothing that's ever occurred to God. God has never heard something and been like, oh, my self. Like he's never done that. Ever. And the, the, the third thing that God cannot do is that God cannot be second. And the, the theological term for that is, is preeminence, that he is before all things. It's like, it's just his place in the universe. He's first, he's before all things. And so for some of us, like we've, we've been in these moments where like, man, I just wanna, I wanna put God first in my life. Well, you can't really do that because he's already there. He is first, he's preeminent, he is before all things. Like we aren't that important or powerful that we can somehow rearrange the universe. So in regards to our tithe or bringing money and giving it away, like tithe, tithing is bringing our money, is giving to the church. And since the church is the bride of Christ and Jesus Christ is God's tithe, then when we tithe, it becomes extremely personal to our heavenly father. 
in giving to the church, it represents who's first in your life. You want to know who's first in your life? Like, let me or anyone take a peek at your bank account, at your credit card statement. Like, I don't know, where, where does your first 10% go? You get paid, where does your first 10% go? Like, is it to Target or Bass Pro Shop or buying the latest MacBook or vacations, clothes? Like, what is it, going out to eat? You know, there, there's three things that, that, we, that we're, we're learning this morning when it comes to money, when it comes to like do, doing what God wants for us, when it comes to our hearts and trusting him, right? The first, that, that firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The second, uh, first fruits must be offered. And then the third, that the tithe must be first. I said that this runs all throughout scripture from from Leviticus 27 verse 30. It says, every 10th of the Lord's produce, grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord, like all of the land. I mean, again, like this is super, super emphatic. It's already the Lord's. It's set apart for the Lord. That's what it means to be consecrated, to be holy, is to be set apart. So if it's the Lord's and you don't bring your tithe, then it's stealing if it's not returned to the Lord. Okay, so what is the tithe? Okay, so when you get paid, the tithe, the first temperance, it's what leaves your hand or your bank account first. So what leaves your hand first? I remember I I was... uh, I mentioned Micah Kingen, who's our student ministries director. I've been coaching, discipling, uh, training him uh, the, these, these last, I don't know, almost two years now. And he's, uh, he's getting ready to move out of his parents' house and he's trying to figure out his budget. And uh, so he and I sat down and that was the conversation this, this one day of trying to figure out, okay, like, can you afford this? Like, are you making enough money? I knew he was. Uh, and so the first question I asked him is, Micah, what percentage do you believe that God is calling you to give back to the church for your tithe. And without hesitation, he's like, 20%. Didn't even blink. I was like, wow, dude, like that represents a huge amount of trust in God. That's incredible. Are you sure you want to give that much? Like, I know how much you're making. Are you sure? And his response was incredible. He was like, Jason, I've trusted God with, with relationships specifically relationships with girls. Uh, and, and, and that's been some of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And it worked out way better for me when I trusted God. And then just a couple months later, uh, that, that he, he gave up a full ride scholarship to, to wrestling to go to college uh, in order to pursue ministry full time. And he was like, and, and Jason, I, this is the best decision I've ever made. I'm so glad I trusted God with this. So this right here, trusting God with 20%, it's easy easy. Tithing represents trust. Like it must be first. So as you're figuring out your budget, or maybe today you need to like go home and get that budget back out, maybe even rework it a little bit. uh, This needs to be first in in your life. Like the first question you need to ask is what percentage is God calling you to tithe, to give back to the church? And then build the rest of your budget around that. And I would actually encourage you to even do this once a year. That's a, a habit that I started several years ago, like every year re-looking at the budget. Not that it necessarily has to drastically change, but you know, our financial situation changes on a pretty regular basis. And so in the last couple of months, I, I started asking the Lord, okay, God, like as we enter into this new year, what percentage do you want me to give 
to the church. And, and every year, like God has been encouraging us and challenging us to give just a little bit more, a little bit higher percentage. And uh, we have been at about 17%. And, and I asked God that question. He's like, I want you to give 20%, which a little bit took my breath away because that's the biggest increase that God has ever pushed us towards. But, but I know that, that God has proven himself trustworthy in so many other situations all throughout my life. So this should be easy. Should be. If you're, if you're looking at all your bills and you're thinking, okay, I got my mortgage, I got my groceries, I got my utilities, I got this, I got that. And they're like, okay, well, what do I got left over? And I'll just, I'll give a portion of that. Like, no. Like, then God's not actually first in your life. You're, you're not demonstrating you're trusting him. Then you're robbing God of his preeminence in your life and he won't accept it. Okay, so how practically does this work out in your life? Like when, when you're writing a budget, pick a percentage. Like ask God and then pick a percentage and then, and then make, make that the first thing in your budget. And then I'd encourage you immediately before you even figure out any other categories, go to gromlaw.com slash give uh, and, and go to where it says reoccurring giving and enter in that dollar amount and just hit okay, done. And then you go figure out the rest of your budget. And, okay, so may, maybe you, you work on an hourly or a commission basis and you get paid maybe on the, first or the 15th. Well, you, you get that percentage in your mind. Go to grumlaw.com slash give and enter that one-time gift. Like make the tithe the first thing that you do before you go out for lunch, before you plan your vacation and pay for that, before you even pay your mortgage uh, or, or any, like, because it's the Lord's anyways. Make a commitment to put God first. I don't know, maybe for some of you, you've been here in church for a while and you've heard us church folks talking about like giving God money and trusting him with their finances. And up, and up until now, uh, maybe you've never really like fully understood why or even where this idea comes from. Maybe this principle of first is kind of rocking your world a little bit. Maybe this morning, God, like the creator of the universe, he's speaking to you. In this, in this holy moment, and you realize that you need to make some adjustments in your life. Maybe you need to sell some stuff. Maybe you even need to downsize. Maybe there's a few subscriptions you need to cancel, or maybe it's even time to call a family meeting and rearrange your entire budget, maybe even make some lifestyle changes. Friends, it's, it's time that we make God first in our lives. It's time to make that commitment, especially when we realize that that we were once living in slavery to sin and greed and selfishness, but God, with a mighty hand, he rescued us, he redeemed us, he sacrificed his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that we could have full, eternal, abundant, we could have the blessed life. So giving God that first 10%, trusting him with our finances, like it just makes sense.